Two weeks ago, not Christmas uh, last week, Christmas service, but two weeks ago, I talked about ministry. I was going to review it, but now I'm not. If you didn't hear it, you should go hear it. You too, Joey. A couple times for you. If you didn't hear it, you should go hear it. And you might want to hear it again after you hear this one. Ministry, right? Do you know that you're a minister? If you're born again, you're a minister. Do you know that? You're a minister. Ben, he's nodding his head. Not real hard, but he's nodding his head. Larry knows he's a minister. Kendra knows he's a minister. Steve knows he's a minister. Teresa knows she's a minister. She ministered today. I'm a minister. You're a minister. You're all ministers. You're all ministers. So I'm going to continue from last week, a, a, a pretty substantially different perspective. And, and if I tried to kind of stick it into some bullet points, I'd say ministry, um, how and what and why. But it's hard to take the scriptures and separate the how and the what and the why out into scriptures that only speak to one or the other. But that's how they'll lump them together. I've got a bunch of scripture. I'll, I'll try to just read it and not comment too much and spend most of the time I have here with you at the end, um, the why. So ministry, right? Ministry. I saw it happening up here. A bunch of ministry was happening over here. I, I, I ministered a little bit back there. The worship team was ministering to us, in a sense, so that we could minister to the Lord. We're all ministers. We're all here to minister for a purpose. So let's, let's start off then a little bit about how. Like how, how do we minister? And I'm going to read you uh, from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 1 and go all the way through verse 16. I'll try not to stop too much in the process. Okay, therefore I, the Apostle Paul speaking to the, the church, you know, in written form, to the church at Ephesus, and he spent a ton of time in Ephesus, and, and Ephesus, Ephesians, is kind of like it'll, it gives you the, the grand big picture of the whole darn thing. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy. Let's just pretend we're Ephesians for a minute. Everybody say, I'm an Ephesian. And I'm a minister. I'm a ministering Ephesian. How about that? Establishing your identity right at the beginning. Okay, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Remember, you're a minister. Hear this through the, the ears of a minister. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men now this is this expression he ascended what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is himself also he who ascended <laughs> ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things and he he and this is jesus 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 and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Let me stop just right here for one second. This pastor, teacher person that you have is a gift from Jesus Christ to you for a purpose. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. Gifts to us from Jesus himself for a purpose. The purpose is ministry. That word service is in other places many times, the Greek word, is translated as ministry. And in other actual Bible translations, it's translated as ministry. So what, what is he saying? He's saying that he's given certain people that he's gifted. They're not special. They just happen to have a particular anointing to equip everybody else for the purposes of the ministry that Jesus Christ came to earth to perform. Amen? So, so when you hear that, you hear me talking to you, right? Because I heard you tell me earlier that you were a minister. And in Ephesians, which was interesting to me, but the minister part was not. Okay, he gave them, uh, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or ministry, for, for a purpose, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all, all of us, attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I laughed because I started to, I was going to have you all say after me, I'm a joint. But then I thought, you might take that wrong. So you're not a joint. We're done with joints. Okay, so just quick summary of that whole big course of Scripture. We are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Let me give you a one-word description of your calling. You ready? Kingdom. That's the root of this whole teaching today is kingdom. You are ministers of the kingdom of heaven. You are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And you are also the subject of ministry regarding the kingdom of heaven. Walk in a manner worthy of our, your, my calling, the kingdom. Each is given grace. Not some, not the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the apostle. Everybody, each is given grace because each has a part. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, not as the doers like the shiny men of God or women of God, that do the ministry, and everybody else just receives and goes, ah, not at all, to equip the church to be the church. Amen? Okay. To what end? From this course of Scripture. To attain the unity of the faith. That, that really struck out to me um, just in putting together this teaching the unity of the faith, that we would be unified in faith. What faith? The faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the faith of the truth, the faith of what God has sent his Son to do, the faith that destroys the works of the devil, the faith that seeks and saves that which is lost, the faith that brings about the transformation, the metamorpho of a person from a lost, dead, 
worldly, selfish, yuck, to the very image of Jesus Christ himself. That faith, all together, that faith. Sometimes Janet might not have faith for what God's doing because she's in the middle of the test. Sometimes I might not have faith. My faith is being, I'm declaring it and I'm claiming it, but inside my insides, if I'm being honest with you, I'm not seeing how this is going to happen except for I had other people who come around and it was their faith that boosted my boosted. <laughs> that, that, that come alongside my faith and together our faith was the faith that brought about the answers, the miracles, the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. To what end? To the knowledge of the Son of God. To maturity and to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, Christ. Maturity. Not like just, hey, you know, I got saved. Woohoo! I get to go to heaven, don't have to go to hell. That's not it at all. Day by day, minute by minute, hour. Oh, step back a little bit. Somebody comes alongside, step forward. Growing up into the fullness of Jesus Christ himself. If not personally, I'm not positive about that, but certainly collectively. Everything that Jesus is. Jesus was an apostle. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a teacher. He was the perfect presentation of every one of the gifts that he gave to the church. Each and every one of us, and then all of us collectively, can represent Jesus perfectly. But never one of us all by ourselves. No longer to be children. Growing, expanding, producing kingdom. Maturity for the purpose of refuting for ourselves false doctrine, tricky men, and deceitful scheming. You understand, when I'm a baby Christian... (laughs) <laughs> when I'm a baby Christian, I'm on an airplane. I work for HP. I get to fly all the time. I'm sitting in first class. Guy next to me in first class is a Muslim. He's telling me the good news. You know what the good news was? He and I serve the same God. Him through? Nope. Ishmael. Ishmael, thank you very much. And me through Isaac. Come together right there. It's the same God. I'm so excited. I didn't think I was supposed to like him, but it turns out we're just the same. I get to church on Sunday, I say, Pastor Jim, guess what I learned? Same God, us and the Muslims, different paths. Puts his arm around me. We're going to need to talk a minute, right? But not now. If I sat next to that guy, I would be able to tell him the truth in love. I would explain to him that your God isn't a real God. You think you serve the only true God, but you don't. His character is different. His ways are different. He's an imagination or he's a demon. But he's not the one true God. I don't need Pastor Jim to tell me anymore. Because I know for myself. I know because he told me. And I know because he told me. How do I know? Because I grew up. I'm maturing. (laughs) I almost said mature. I'm not. I have plenty of headroom in my maturing process. But I'm not where I used to be. And none of us should be where we used to be. Every day should be a farther ahead, a farther ahead, a farther ahead. Speaking the truth in love. What does that sound like? What would be a one-word thing if you were going to describe a process of speaking the truth in love? I'll give it to you. Ministry. Ministry. Where the truth isn't being presented, then we present the truth. How do we do it? You're so stupid. I can't believe you thought you and a Muslim had the same God. What is... No, the truth in love. Oh, I love your exuberance, but you're a little off on this one, young man. It's the truth in love is ministry. How do we minister truth? How do we do that? In love. The truth in love. Ministry. I feel all spun up. You guys ready to go to sleep? I will be in a little while, but not right now. 
the whole body, I'm just grabbing little phrases, the whole body that he spoke of, being fitted and held together. It's got to be together by what every joint supplies. You need what I have. I need what you have. We all need what Daniel has or Keith or Sherry or whomever. We all got to be fitted together. Every joint has a purpose. If one, you know, Bob Marsden, I'm praying. We didn't pray for Bob Marsden. I'll pray for Bob Marsden. Don't let me forget. But I'm praying for that hip joint to go back together, for the pelvis to be completely restored. And the hip joint to go back how it's supposed to be. He's restored. Because his body, if it has to run from a fire, it's not going to work. Lungs got a hole in it. Ribs are all busted. His body can't function well because his hip is all messed up. Just like this. If I'm all messed up, then you're lacking something. If you're all messed up, then we're all lacking something. Because we're a body. We're fitted together. We're one. According to the proper working of each individual part. Each person. Causing growth, the building up of the body in love. The growth and the building up of the body is a goal. But it's not the goal. You get, does that make sense, right? It's a means to an end. It's an important, necessary thing. The building up of the body. If I'm messed up, then you help me to not be messed up. You build me up. You encourage me. You strengthen me. Jessica, I was praying and praying for you. I do not know exactly what I was going on, but you're fighting a fight right now. And my heart says, Lord, just take the fight away. Just put her right into the happy place. But maybe what I pray for you is that if you're going to stay in a fight, that your faith doesn't waver, not one bit that I'm praying behind the scenes and I'm praying for you right now as we're talking, that whatever the Lord is letting happen in your life, that he's using it, because he will, right, to bring about Christ in you, to bring about his purposes from your life, that the kingdom of God would be more manifest in your personal ministry, in your children, in your husband, in your reflection, in whatever it is that God has, you get on, because He's going to strengthen you and carry you through whatever the trial is. It, it breaks my heart. I can't stand to see you sad. You're a daughter to me. But I'm not God. His way is better than my way, right? The building of the body is a goal, but it's not the goal. I'll tell you the goal a little bit later. You can decide if you agree with me. It's a means, but not an end. It's about you, and it's about me. For us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, we must see our lives, see ministry from this perspective that the Scripture teaches us. Okay, second big fat course of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13, or verses 4 through chapter 13, beginning of verse 8. Again, we're talking about the how. So now, uh, 4, 12, 4 through 13, 8a. It'll be very familiar when we get you hear it. Okay, ready? Apostle Paul again, speaking out of the church at Corinth. They got all these gifts. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. All things, all the stuff we're going to hear, in all persons. You, somebody will say, well, not me. I don't have any gifts. It's like you've been believing a lie. You are gifted. You're anointed. You have a purpose. You're a joint in a body that isn't going to function right without you functioning right. All things in all per persons, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To who? To each one, to everyone, to all of us. The manifestation of the big S Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the, dis the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Someday we're going to go to heaven and we're going to give an account of ourselves. God has given us an investment. He's put an investment in us. And he's expecting us to exercise that investment to bring a return back to him in his kingdom, right? All of us, every one of us. If we don't minister to one another, then the body is going to be lacking. Verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. One Spirit, this is not Scripture, this is Pat. One Spirit, one body, individual in our place and function in the body, but not in our lives, individual. Understand, when you see yourself, when you think about yourself, your life, it's not your life, it's his life. You sold it to him. He bought it with a price, his very blood. It's his life. But when you see yourself in the context of your life, individually, you have um, been given things by God that you are to express for his purposes, right? But we're not an individual. We're a corporate entity, the body of Jesus Christ. So you can think of yourself individually if you want, like, well, I'm a pastor, I'm an apostle, I'm an evangelist, I'm a finger, I'm an elbow, I'm a tongue, I'm a nose, I'm a whatever. Individually you are, because you are used and anointed for specific purposes within the body, but collectively you have no individual identity other than Jesus Christ himself. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body just as he desired. Now imagine that for just a second. Keith, you are placed as a member of the body with the specific giftings that you have by God according to his own purpose and plan. No mess up. The only mess up is if we don't walk out what he's given us. If we think, well, you know, this one is better than this one, we're going to hear about that in a second, but it's just not true. The, the parts that seem less comely, I think is the King James word, less comely, are more important. They're given more honor. So we don't get into this problem of everybody wants to be the part that everybody exalts and, and says, ooh, how awesome was that? The awesome is God. It's not the person. Uh, let's see. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, verse 20, but now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. 
And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So no greater members, no lesser members. All are necessary so that there be no division, each caring for the other. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I don't know exactly how to say this, but I think it's true. If we don't, in some sense, suffer and rejoice in each other's trials, like, I, like I'm saying with you, Jessica, then I don't have a real understanding of being part of a body. If, if, if I can see you in a wrestle, and I don't feel like I'm in a wrestle, then I don't understand being part of Jesus' body. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray just a second. Father God, I'm not sure that I have a full revelation of that. That I, that I can't be often out of sight, out of mind. And I pray for myself, Lord, and I pray for each one of us. A great revelation and a great truth that just fills us up that our issues are not our issues, but our issues. And our trials and our successes and our glory is not our glory, but our glory. And ultimately, they're your glory. Father, help us that we would not ever live our lives separate from the rejoicing of the rejoicing of our members, your members, and the sorrow and the pain of the sorrow and the pain of your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 27. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed... In the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps. These are all hows, like hows. How do we minister? Healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a more excellent, a still more excellent way. So be careful with the all are nots. Not all are nots this. All are not that. All are not this. Because here's what happens. The devil will get into your head that you're you're just not. Not like, well, I'm not an apostle, but I'm a teacher. That would be okay. But you may have some apostolic gifting. Who knows? But the point is the devil will want you to think that, that all you are is not. That you have nothing to offer that, that such and such does and so and so does. And oh, when she prays, it sounds just like the Bible, thus saith the Lord. The reality is that you and I are all gifted. And we've got to be careful when the Bible says that, well, not everybody's a prophet. Okay, could I prophesy? You dang bet I could prophesy. If God decides that he's going to put a word through me for somebody or somebody's, he's going to do it. Does that make me a prophet? No, it means I prophesied. Do I have the gift of healing like John G. Lake, who could put bubonic plague in his hand and would turn black and die? Do I? It doesn't feel like it. wish I did, but I've 
been used by God to heal lots of people. I'm looking for more. Be careful with the knots. But collectively, because every one of us has an R, we are something, some gifting. When you put us all together, guess what you get? The very fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so he said, and I'll show you a still more excellent way. <laughs> this is the way I thought to introduce you to this. This next part is the secret sauce of the kingdom. Right? You, you got something... And you want to put a little sauce on there. Because when you get the sauce on there, then it's just right. So you got a little, a little healing and a little prophecy and a little evangelism and a little miracles and a little this and that. All that's nice, but it needs sauce. Here's the secret sauce of the kingdom. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act becomingly, is, it does not, excuse me, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. All the stuff without love, fail. Love doesn't seek its own. Love, love remember, I, I, I don't know if this makes sense to anybody but me, but I think love is always a one-way street. The Bible never teaches love as a response. It's always, 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 always we love. When someone responds and, and you get love from somebody, it's not a two-way street. It's two separate one-way streets. That love comes because that person understands who Jesus is and their relationship in Jesus, and they love. Not because of love, because we're commanded to love. We're not commanded to love because somebody loves us. We're commanded to love. And, and when we wonder about are we loving you can go right here and you can ask yourself, in my relationship with that person, in any given moment, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I remembering what happened yesterday that wasn't so good and bringing it forward in today? Because if any of those things are true, then you might be having some kind of an emotional situation with somebody, but what you're walking out is not biblical love. And biblical love is the love that never fails. When we act like this towards one another, then there's no failure. Okay, let's take a quick peek of how. Excuse me, that was how. A little last taste of how might be a better way to say that. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 16. More about how ministry happens, right? We just finished with ministry with all the tools of ministry. Outside of love, fail. Inside of love, win. 12, Romans 12, 3 through 16. For through the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. This is Pat again. Not the same function, but all have function, right? Don't listen to the voice of the devil. It says, not you, you. So we, who are many, 
are at one, are, excuse me, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These are all hows to bring about what and why. They continue. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. I saw you smile. (laughs) Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. If I was looking, I'd see Sherry smile right now. Bless those who persecute, persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Key to understand, no person in God's kingdom is an island unto themselves. I don't know how many times I've said it, Sorry. Every part has gifts to give and, uh, to the others and all have need of the gifts that build up the body. I told you, I think the last time, two weeks ago, about the Lego picture. Lego's got an out part and it got an in part. Everybody has something on the outside, you know, something to give, and everybody has a, a need that somebody else has to meet so that we're all whole and full in Christ. So let's talk about what? Ministering to what end? What end? Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What's the end of ministry? It's the kingdom of God. You say, well, wait a minute, the person's sick. Yep, and when the kingdom comes, they're not sick anymore. You say, but the person is sad and depressed, or they're an alcoholic and they can't control their drinking. What's the answer? The kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God comes upon them, when they, when they experience the kingdom of God at, at your word or your touch, the power of God, then they stop to be those things that they've been bound up in in the past. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is a righteous kingdom. It's a peaceful kingdom and it's a joyful kingdom. So when I look and I see somebody whose countenance doesn't show me joy, I say the kingdom is missing right there somehow. And we go deal with what the lie is and then the kingdom comes and invades that space. 1 Corinthians 4, uh, chapter 4 and verse 20. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words but in power. The kingdom of God, there's words. You can speak the kingdom of God. Our words have power. We talked about that earlier today. The kingdom is not a words kingdom. It's a power kingdom. It's manifest. It's not hollow as words are. It's powerful words. Power that follows words. That that particular verse comes from Paul to the Corinthians. And he's like, okay, you got these guys. And they're coming. And they're telling you stuff different than what I tell them. We'll see who brings the kingdom, them or me. Because when I come, I'm not hearing about their words. I'm going to say, demonstrate your kingdom power. Then I'll know whether you're real or not. How about um, Elijah on Mount Carmel, right? And the prophets of Baal. All right, look at all you people. You can 
you, you, you said that Jesus was going to, or God was going to be your God, and you were going to be his people, and you would blah, 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 and then these people tell you about the Baals, and you get all spun up over the Baals, and now you got the priests of Baal, and, and you're all double-minded and whatever. We're going to have a little comeuppance here. The 400, is it, prophets of Baal, right? Build us a big old thing of wood, another big old thing of wood. You call on your God, and I'll call on my God. And the one who brings fire to burn up this offering or this wood pile or whatever they called it in the scriptures, that's the true God. So the prophets of Baal, they had 400 guys to call on their God, like my buddy on the airplane. His God could have never made a fire on that pile, but mine can, because it's not the same. And they do all their things, and they scream and yell. Maybe they cut themselves a little bit, and... Elijah's over there, he's like, hey, you know, maybe he's having a nap. You should, you should just scream a little bit louder so he can hear you and start the fire. But there was no fire to come. Elijah says, you know what, let's just make this interesting. Let's just put a bunch of water on my pile, because water doesn't burn very good. He calls on the only God who could bring that fire from heaven, and he does. And they knew who the real God is, because the kingdom of God has power. And we should be exercising and manifesting that power. Amen again. Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. This is, this is the what of our ministry. Remember, we're talking about ministry. When I'm going to minister to Patty, I'm ministering the kingdom. Because what she needs, if she needs ministry, is the kingdom. When she ministered to me, what did she minister? Kingdom faith. She ministered a prophetic word, Michigan. What the heck does that mean? I don't know. I should have went to prayer. I could have saved myself a lot of anxiety if I would have listened and pursued what God gave you to give me. Next time I'll do better. If I don't, you're going to have to help me again. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark eleven twenty three through 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. That sounds a lot like Eileen's testimony this morning. The doctor has a report. She's like, nope, sorry, because I have the kingdom. I'm going to minister the kingdom to that report, and we'll just see what happens. Her, fire, her pile of wood lights on fire. <laughs> I told you about the boat insurance. No, 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 no. If he can't, nobody can. No, no, no. I lost I, I honestly I didn't lose faith or hope, but I was at a point where I thought I, I maybe I missed it. Because see, the devil's been trying to get me to doubt about the calling that he has for me and Teresa for the next season of our life. And then God lets this whole insurance thing happen to test our faith. All I heard was no. I and, and I I want I don't want to say I believe no because I'm not sure that I did believe no. But I didn't have a strong yes in my heart. But we spoke to the mountain and it moved. And I asked God, I said, God, when you solve this insurance problem, I want you to do it with favor. Like, I want financial favor. I don't want to spend $5,000 for insurance. And the yes was the least expensive quote we had for the whole thing. $1,400. And that included renter's insurance to live in the, the palace that we're in right now. It wasn't just boat insurance. And you know what? Teresa took an online... She's capping Teresa now. She got a certificate. She took the, she took the online skipper course, and when she, when she electronically emails the insurance lady, 
it's going to be 100 bucks less for our insurance because we got us a certified captain on board right now. I want to use I want to use Keith and Patty getting that word from the Lord to to encourage everybody that we need intimacy with one another. That when we don't have intimacy with one another, we put ourselves in a place where God has an answer but it's over here. But we're not over there because we're busy and and our lives are complicated and we got all this stuff going on. I'm telling you if that's you, you ask the Lord to help you to uncomplicate your life. Make your life... Now, you might not get to drive the Cadillac, but you'll be driving the Holy Spirit, so to speak. You'll be driving the kingdom Cadillac into, into places, and you'll get the glory of seeing God's hand move in situations where people don't have hope. So if it's too busy for you to get together on a regular basis other than Sunday morning with brothers and sisters, you need to question whether your priorities are right. So then, ministry is confronting the bondage of lies that kill righteousness, peace, and joy. That's ministry. It's bringing forth the kingdom. But what about this? This is where I almost messed up when I was talking to you. I said, Patty, I got a, I got a sermon. I got some scripture. I got some thoughts. But it's not strong. You know, and I asked her, "What would if if you just could say, hey, preach on this? I'd be interested." She gave me some stuff, and I could see how it could all fit right in there. But then, when I was talking to the Lord and I was asking Him to help me, I almost deceived myself into thinking this knit. It was forgiveness. It was like about forgiveness and and bitterness and judgment. And we all need to not have those things in our hearts, and we need to minister to one another. But the kingdom is the is the answer to that question. When the kingdom comes upon me, I won't hold bitterness towards somebody. I won't hold judgment towards somebody. And if they do it ten times, the kingdom will give me the grace to release it ten times. And when it comes the eleventh time, the kingdom will give me the grace. The king will give me the grace if I'm about his kingdom and releasing his kingdom. His, his kingdom is forgiveness. His kingdom is mercy. His kingdom is not judgment. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came that the world might be saved through me. He was the the ultimate act of mercy. Ministry is confronting the bondage of the lies that kill righteousness, peace, and joy. You could expand that in a million ways, but that's a pretty good place to start. Ministry is choosing to embrace the the truth. Remember, if you, you might not remember, but for two weeks ago, it was like, it all boils down to truth and lies. It boils down to what's true and what's not true, and then what you will believe versus what you might not believe. Ministry is bringing forth the kingdom, righteousness, peace, joy, power, freedom, deliverance, fruitfulness. When you minister the kingdom, all that stuff falls under there, and that's the fruit of ministering the kingdom. So, Minister to one another this way. So if somebody's like, oh, I'm struggling, and you're the one who God has given the opportunity to minister to that person at that time, here's what you minister. You minister for them to believe the Word of God. You minister for them to live the Word of God, and you minister to them to manifest the Word of God. So if your issue is judgment, bitterness, somebody's hurting you over and over again, or who knows what it is, then you minister to the kingdom to that. Here's the kingdom. Here's what the scriptures say. So that you believe, so that you live, and so that you bring forth the kingdom. Yes, sister. 
Yeah. Amen. Yeah, for those of you who can't hear, Teresa saying, on the 23rd, when it was like the whole thing is just going to blow up, how many times did we just stop and pray? Stop and pray. Stop and declare, God, we trust you. We believe you. What do you minister to any person that you get the honor to minister to? Kingdom truth. That's what you minister. That's the answer, kingdom truth. Now, you know, it's a book that fat, so you should know that book pretty good. If you know it a little bit, then the Holy Spirit will help you to get out the one that you need when it's time to minister. Okay, so finally then, the how, the what, and the why. Here's, here's a succinct answer to the why. Why would we minister at all? Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Before that, it says, when you pray. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Always good to start your ministry by honoring making a a statement of your awareness of the holiness of God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the why? Remember I said earlier, this is an answer, but it's not the answer. This is the answer. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come and touch Jessica right here in whatever this battle is on earth as it is in heaven because in heaven that battle's done right we just know that cuz Sherry told us about her dad's new place right he isn't having any battles there's no more battles right on earth as it is in heaven in Jessica as it is in heaven i don't know what is messing with Janet she actually's looking a little better to me right this minute but on earth as it is in heaven god's kingdom to invade whatever that thing is with its truth on earth as it is in heaven that's our mandate that's the ultimate why. Why? Because God wants this place to be like that place. Now, ultimately, we know that he's going to burn it up. But every individual that doesn't know Jesus, when they come to know Jesus, becomes, in, in an essence, a part of the kingdom. The kingdom is within them now. Why? Because the king lives there in the person of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit inside of them. And then he can start to manifest out of them, right? We should be growing. We should be maturing in the knowledge of Christ, to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Every situation, its problem is the kingdom isn't there. Every place that's good, it's, it's, it's because the kingdom is there. Amen? Amen.